You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As you guys know, Locked On Browns is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Again, use the promo code, all caps, no space, Locked On. Get $10 off your first box from Built Bar of their 16 terrific and different Flavors and varieties, fantastic over there. Sit with us today. Um, I'm going to sit down here, uh, you know, from the Browns Wire. Obviously, does work over at 92.3 The Fan. You know, behind the scenes as he's working his way up the ladder, Mr. Mac Robinson. Mac, how is everything going? How are you holding up here on, you know, for you guys out in Ohio, I mean, you're starting to get back to at least what the norm sort of was. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm doing all right over here. I'm doing all right. You know, I know we talked about it briefly before, but, you know, I, I've mainly been exercising, trying to find, uh, you know, the the right things to do. Uh, at the same time, though, I have looked up how much it is to become an ordained minister at this point, just because, you know, why the hell not? So that's just been kind of how <laughs> I've been how I've been rolling over here. <laughs> ah, so Reverend Mac, yeah, Reverend Mac, and for anybody when weddings can uh, resume to commence here, um, you've got a guy, you've got somebody that might be... Uh be there for you and so you know guess what you can save not only do you have to feed the priest he's already gonna be a guest anyway so one <laughs> meal you're gonna get that. Uh, now i think back one of the misconceptions here we're gonna go to the offensive side of the ball he just expects whatever was done in minnesota with what kevin stefanski did there um but then you look at the personnel here and obviously it, it's vastly different in minnesota i mean in, in cleveland here with you know depth at the wide receiver position the fact that they can run out you know two quality backs and their second back to has one thing that the first back essentially doesn't and has a call card there. Um, you know, the, the influence of the tight end, but I think every, and I know Jake was today. this is one of the biggest misconceptions. We think we already know what we're going to see. And Kevin Stefanski with all of this, with the intelligent guy that he is, as long as he's been around, um, there's a reason, you know, they wanted to make sure there was more depth at the wide receiver position. The fact that he's got the two backs. They could have easily moved on Kareem if they wanted to. There were reasons all of this were in place so Kevin can eventually give us what his version of whatever the Cleveland Browns are going to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's the one thing that I think, like what you said, kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit is the fact that, you know, obviously in Minnesota you had a very talented back in Dalvin Cook, but you always had a, a young running back in Alexander Madison. Look, Kareem Hunt is on a completely different plane than Alexander Madison. And obviously Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb. We don't look, I, I don't even need to get into that debate. So, you know, it's a whole nother level when it comes to that, but also too, you add the different dimensions to this offense. You, you already said it too, adding the tight end depth. You have the wide receiver depth a little bit there with uh, Richard Higgins, as well as uh, bringing Donovan Peoples Jones in the draft. Um, I really feel like there's more tools to play with here in Cleveland. Obviously, you trade for an Andy Janovich. Uh, you draft a Harrison Bryant. David Njoku can be that big slot for you. can go on the outside. I mean, it, it adds so many different pieces and parts that he can play with on this offense. He really can do what he wants and really implement his style of that offense and not just basically go based off the uh, Gary Kubiak model that you ended up seeing in Minnesota. And I think that's the part that I think all of us are going to enjoy here is because, you know, and, and maybe it's, we were, we've already had a taste of it. So actually got to experience some OTAs, which doesn't look like it's ever going to come to pass. Um, looks like it's going to be straight to. Um, and those are going to be valuable reps and valuable time. 
that you know hasn't been put into play here yet. But this is and now this is the thing in where it's interesting, you know, for you know the Browns and any other organization, you know, where you know New York Giants, another one, where new coaching staffs are coming into place, and a lot of it is is now, now you're talking just. And it's going to be just interesting because, I mean, Zoom and you know all these type of teleconferences has become the norm for almost everything now for a couple of months here. It's really going to be interesting to see how it parlays and it works over into the world of the NFL. Yeah, and that's going to be the one thing that I'm interested to see is, you know, how does the implementation of, you know, these playbooks and, you know, the, the teaching aspect of things, you know, that we've seen Kevin Stefanski really kind of harp on uh, throughout, um, his tenure here so far. And especially when it comes to this coaching staff, you know, you look at Joe Woods talking about implementing his defense and the fact that this allows them to really focus on technique with their players, despite the fact that they're not necessarily there in person, you know, I'm interested to see how that kind of implementation works. And not only that too, by the time that we get to the regular season, you know, how long does it take for these players to adjust? I think that's going to be the other aspect that we have to watch for is really the, the adjustment period as a whole, given the fact that, you know, you haven't had these players all together for the most part outside of the whole Baker workout. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, some guys weren't, you know, able to attend that, you know, Odell and, you know, obviously Jarvis. Um, and maybe that's good. I mean, you know, you're not so concerned probably about Odell and Jarvis's, I think health and being ready to go is probably the most concern you have with either of those two players. But what about the offense here, Mac? And there's a lot to get excited about, you know, whether it is, you know, obviously, you know, the two new tackles after watching, you know, a year and a half and, you know, whatever they were trying to run out there to succeed with. Um, is it the offensive line? Is it the skill? Is it to you – know, Baker, it's funny because, you know, and I think Baker's kind of learned right now. It's like, well, maybe now's not the time to talk. Um, you know, after what I did last year, I don't know if anybody's too interested in hearing exactly what I got to say. Um, <laughs> so it's been a lot more low-key for him. You know, the way the running back duo could be over a 16-game stretch – What's got you the most excited about you know, what's going to be this 2020 Cleveland Browns offense? I will say this. I think that, you know, what's got me the most excited is that, you know, it's kind of getting back to what we were used to a little bit when it comes to the stability of the team. And the stability is the offensive line. And, you know, with the offensive line comes that consistency. Obviously, you know, it's been talked about that 2014 offensive line group that you had where it was Joe Thomas, it was John Greco, it was uh, Joel Batonio, obviously, Alex Mack, and then Mitchell Schwartz. One of the best offensive lines in the game, but it ended up getting wasted by the by the end of the season. They finished seven and nine. I, I think that while I don't necessarily know, obviously, we, we, we can't know until they play if this offensive line can stack up to that group. But at the same time, you see that offensive line group paired up with these skill players that have been assembled and I think that the, with the potential of this offense, really, I think that this is, you know, uh, I will say this. Last year, there was a lot of hype and everything like that for this team, rightfully so, given the skill players. But I will say this, given the stability of the offensive line, and I think that I think that will kind of bring back that balance to the offense. And I will say this, I think that there's going to be more of a more of a focus on the running game this year, which should benefit Baker. And it's the whole reason why Kirk Cousins actually looked a lot better last year. You saw that play action uh, really help him out in the long run. So I feel like Baker is going to be able to benefit from that as well. And Nick Chubb might come back even better along with Kareem Hunt. I think the thing for me is it's going to be the it's going to be the ability to see that if something's taken away, like last year. Look, I mean, if if Jarvis and Odell, it wasn't working out between the two of them and Baker. You know, Nick couldn't do it all. God knows he certainly tried, and there were some weeks where he even made it close. <laughs> 
but you know you can fall back on the tight ends you can fall back on you know uh, you know kareem hunter's receiving option um you can work back in and it's almost it's weird to say how important david and joke and richard higgins were in 2018 that they essentially weren't even here in 2019 um so you bring that back and i the, the thing for me is 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 like the base the baseball lineup length to it it's like, all right well if you can take away my two best it's okay. I'm comfortable going with three, four, five, and six because I've got enough there. And the amount of, you know, ammunition you're going to have to use to take Odell away or take Jarvis away, uh, you know, who's then covering Austin Hooper, David Njoku? How are you going to deal with the backs out, backs out of the backfield? And it just it, it stacks up for feeling. You know, last year maybe it felt more like just you know the hype of it. This year it feels like more of like the substance behind it. It makes you almost believe it a little more. Although overall a little leery. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. And, and that's the one thing is that, you know, it's the cautious optimism that you're kind of looking for. But I, I will say this. I think that when it comes to the approach of this offense and this team has really gone for as a whole under Stefanski, I mean, Miles Garrett talked about it in building the Browns and talked about the fact that, you know, for him, this is more his speed and the way that these coaches have kind of gone about things. It's all about putting in the work. And I think that that's kind of the difference that we've seen is that, you know, last year, obviously a hell of a lot more talking. And, you know, obviously this year, the guys have really just put their nose to the grindstone and really been working hard, even though they haven't really been in the facilities. So, you know, I I really think that there's there's more reasons for optimism. But at the same time, because, look, this is Cleveland. We've seen what's happened before. There has to be the cautiousness there. I understand it. But I'm I'm at least optimistic regarding this season. Yeah, I mean, the cautious, uh, you know, cautious optimism is probably exactly the way to go there. We're going to flip this up here with Mac Robinson. We're going to talk a little bit over the defensive side of the ball here uh, as we continue along here on your Friday. Yes, Friday, for those of you who are having a hard time following the tracks of the days. At least I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure of this one. It is Friday. Blinkist, um, right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. Now, Mac, we got to talk a little bit. Yeah, I mean, hear from Joe Woods a little bit the other day, and you know his vision of the defense, and you know where he was thinking maybe it's going to be dime heavy. And you know, we got to think part of this influence is probably going to be taking away things like Lamar Jackson, um, and you know, getting over the hill, beating teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, because that's what your ultimate goal should be here. But again, here now, like to go dime heavy, and if you look at this roster, you know, and you're thinking of playing a lot of safeties. Three of the safeties, uh, you know, brand new to the organization. None of them have any experience with Joe Woods. You're going to have a rookie. You're going to have Carl Joseph. At least Sandeo has some familiarity with, you know, some of the Minnesota branch here. So it, it, it's going to be a lot more, you know, I, I think on the defensive side of the ball and how things and how quickly things can start to gel because there's a ton of new faces. You're going to kind of work away from a traditional defensive mindset of where linebackers really aren't going to be the key to all this it's the defensive side of the ball it's there's a lot there the 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 talent is there even still stoking the fires on a Jadavian Clowney but the question is is can it mesh and how quickly can it mesh before you know you maybe get to yourself where it's a one and three a two and four hole and then you got a boatload of work to do Yeah, and I agree with you for sure when it comes to the adjustment period because I'll say this. I think that, like what you said, the personnel, I think that it's going to take a little bit of time to adjust, and obviously you can't necessarily address everything in year one, but at the same time, you know, some of the guys that they were able to bring in, obviously making a huge signing with A.J. Green uh, out of Oklahoma State, you know, bringing him in, he's got that size at 6'2", 200 pounds, but 
you know, bringing him in as somebody who you can possibly develop on the roster as well. You know, you, you have, uh, you have some corners that you brought in, obviously Kevin Johnson as well. And like what you said with the safeties, you know, you've got Carl Joseph who can kind of play down a little bit in the box. He also can kind of cover a little bit man to man. So I think that what you said is right. I think that there's going to be an adjustment period. And I think that's going to be what the real barometer is here early on. You know, I think that, you know, with the uh, Browns bringing in the 49ers pass rush coordinator, essentially from uh, last year as well, and pass rush specialist, um, bringing him in, I think the defensive line is going to be a huge focus, but the dime heavy look, it's it's all going to be about how long can you cover before Miles Garrett and company go ahead and, you know, apply that pressure to the quarterback. Yeah. And if you just look at a, you know, a defensive line in obvious pass situations where it's, you know, Miles on the inside with Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon could be clowny, and Clayboard on the other side. I mean, you're talking about four guys who have a long, long history of starting at defensive end, and you know they have the body, they have the skill set to move, maneuver around. Um, I mean, it's you know it's going to wreak a lot of havoc. Yes, yes, absolutely, and you know, I mean, I, I look at the teams like. Like Pittsburgh, obviously, with Ben Roethlisberger, obviously coming back this year, you have a Joe Burrow, and then you talk about the dime look. Once you incorporate Lamar Jackson in that, you add a little bit more speed uh, on this defense as well. I think that this is really an opportunity for them to really focus on, you know, taking some of the best that we've seen from the NFL's defenses, like what Joe Woods has talked about. You know, not any one particular defense that he's taking. He's trying to look at the best defense from the last 10 years, you know, as most coordinators should, instead of trying to force their way into, you know, one specific scheme, instead just, you know, trying to pick and choose from from different defenses based on your personnel and really going from there. I think that, you know, with Joe Woods, I'm really excited about what he's got and what he's uh, been preaching here as of late. Yeah, you know, I, I love to hear him speak, and, I, and you definitely can he- just hear it in his voice that he's been around obviously so many different influential voices and with different philosophies on the defensive side of the ball. And he's trying to essentially pick and choose what he likes for what he's going to mold into his D. This is one I'd love to ask guys, Mac at the end of the season, which lineup the most important linebacker on the 2020 Cleveland Browns, because that one right now, that's literally, that's literally a lottery ticket. Yeah. And, and you know, it's really interesting because I mean, obviously, you know, one of the fan favorites, Mac Wilson, uh, you know, he did a, he did an all right job last year. You know, he has his ups and downs and look, that was the reason why he went in the fifth round. Um, but at the same time, you know, you look at Sione Takitaki, I'm interested to see how he's utilized this year. You know, he talked about being utilized as more of a middle linebacker and will, um, the development of Jacob Phillips. And the one name that I, I wanted to bring up too, especially is Willie Harvey, because Willie Harvey had some big plans for the, uh, they had big plans for him last year before he got injured. So I was interested to see how he would be able to kind of handle uh, things with the team, with the team, obviously didn't end up going the way that we thought with him going down. But, you know, I think he's a guy who can be a little bit of a sleeper for this team, but also to BJ Goodson being brought in, uh, you know, as a little bit of a veteran for them. And to be honest, I still wouldn't be shocked if they brought in another veteran, you know, Nigel Bradham is still sitting out there in free agency. It wouldn't shock me if they bring him in uh, as well as possibly others. I mean, I know fan favorite that people have been trying to bring up and, you know, trying to champion is Clay Matthews, bringing him in uh, as a possible veteran uh, for this squad. I think it would be a solid fit depending on the money that he wants. But 
Um, but yeah, no, like there, there's still possibilities and there's still ways that they can upgrade the position without not necessarily breaking the bank. Yeah. And it's interesting because, and the thing is, is whether or not the, the actual want to was there, cause they could have done this during free agency. Um, and you know, they certainly have the cap money. Any one of these moves can be done now. So it, it's the question of, you know, if fit, I guess, and money or the question of, you know, look, guys, it's not that important to us. And you're going to come see why in September, why it really wasn't that important to us. Well, and not only that, too, it's also the fact that, you know, you don't have your team doctors able to check these guys out. Nigel Bradham is coming off injury in 2019, and so he's been rehabbing ever since. So the Browns need to make sure that they check him out before they go ahead and sign him to any money. Um, You know, once again, if they want to spend a little bit more, it all depends on the injury history. Same thing goes for Clay Matthews, Uh, you know, given his age and last year, Obviously, it still had the production, but, you know, a little bit of injury history in his past. So, you know, if I'm the Browns, I'm wanting to make sure that I have my team doctors able to check these guys out before I'm able to sign them to any big money or anything over some of the veteran minimum or some of the minimum deals that we saw, you know, signed to some of these younger players earlier on in free agency. It's yeah, and and there is a lot of that now. And the question is, you know, how soon can we maybe get to these type of things as we're starting to get more and more people into the building, you know, as far away from possible as possible, but you know, at least into the building here. We're gonna flip it up and gonna talk about expectations for the 2020 season, all that and more here. Mac Robinson, Jeff Lloyd on Lockdown Browns. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Right now, and tell them Lockdown sent you. As you guys know, I have been using that company for quite a while in my nine to five. Uh, Rock Auto. There's if there's somebody I can speak about well as far as being professional, courtesy, and just getting the job done. It is without a doubt Rock Auto. So Mac, we start the season in Baltimore, which you know just seems crazy and really, really. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. At least you have a little time to be ready. I mean, it could have easily just been a home opener with Cincinnati. And then said, hey, guess what? Ravens Thursday night. Yeah, you got, what, 12 hours basically to get ready for it. But at least this time it gives you some t- time to prepare, um, you know, with this new dime look or whatever is going to be and stuff like that that's going to go into it. Um, it it's going to be interesting because obviously the Ravens, it's going to be really easy for the Ravens. And it, the lost time is not really going to. Okay, so we just don't put in as much new. We get to throw a Calais Campbell into this mix. Um, you know, we can use J.K. Dobbins when we see him. We had a bunch of young rookie wide receivers the year before. They're now a little bit more established. Um, it's going to be a tough, tough climb against to get to the top of the AFC North. Um, you know, and especially with the Ravens, it's it's they didn't have to do much, but it's just so easy for them to essentially just go ahead and plug it back in for what was working. You know, like like wildfire last season. Yeah, and that's the thing is that when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, obviously, this is what when people want to talk about continuity, this is the continuity that you should be talking about. You know, it's an ability to have some guys like a Tony Jefferson go ahead and walk in free agent or they released him last year, um, but they end up having others leave in free agency. They're able to add veterans and plug them right in. I mean, hell, even one of my favorite draft picks that they had was in round four for wide receiver Devin DuVernay out of Texas you know, bringing him in as another short area receiver that they can go ahead and use for Lamar Jackson as they have Hollywood Brown to go deep. You know, I think that for them, the ability that they've kind of added in um, and really kind of have that continuity to feed off of is a real good barometer for the Browns. And, And this is why I kind of like 
uh, playing the Ravens week one, because for them, it's a situation of, all right, these guys are running it back. How do we stand up against the best team in our division? And comparatively, we play them in week one. The Browns then play them in week 14. So you don't see them. You see them at the beginning of the year to go ahead and see where you're at, what you need to improve on. And then at the end of the year, you need to see, okay, how have we changed from week one to week 14? Obviously, last year with the Browns, they won in week four against the Ravens. But then by the end of the season, they hung with them for about a half. And then all of a sudden, the Ravens took over. So, you know, you get to see that kind of difference uh, from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. I, I, I honestly, I'm a fan of them playing the Ravens week one and getting a jump start on it. Um, I, I do agree with you there because, and I just like it from the fact that it gives you a little more time here and, you know, uh, for a Grant Elpit and a Joseph and a Sandejo. I mean, because, you know, even if, if you play the full preseason slate, look, I mean, nobody's preparing for week four. Week three, most of your good players are not playing anyway. So it's the point where it's, you know, we're already there. We're on to Baltimore. We're finishing out their schedule here. But, you know, this is what we're looking at, you know, what we've got to do to be ready week one. And obviously it's going to be popping down in Baltimore week one, you know, um, in with the you know, the way the playoffs went, which nobody there thought it was going to go down like it did. Um, it'll be, you know, obviously it'll be exciting. And it's going to be one of those ones where you're going to have to come out and, you, you know, you're going to be you got to be ready to strike first because, you know, you could bat your eyes and be 14 nothing before you even realize that maybe seven minutes are gone off the first quarter. But the overall of the 2020 season, Mac, what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, I, I like everything that's in place. I, I love, I, I'm pretty confident with the way the schedule felt, obviously. And it's going to be cool because, you know, this is one of the good things about the way it works with the NFC. There's some teams that you only get to see every four years. And you actually go back in time and you think about the last time these teams met and it's almost like nobody exists anymore or they're barely <laughs> even there except for maybe one or two stars. Um, but some thoughts here on, you know, expectations and just general thoughts here for the 2020 season. You know, for 2020, I think that, Last year, we saw Baker Mayfield being the complete focus of the offense. I think that, you know, comparatively, what we saw in Minnesota, we saw Dalvin Cook being the in the running game being the main focus, and then Kirk Cousins being able to play off of that. I think we're going to see a little bit more of that this year, where Baker Mayfield is going to be taking a little bit of a backseat, handing it off to Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and, you know, leading the charge with the running game, and then the Browns being able to utilize the play-action pass off of that. Um, my expectations for the full season, uh, I will say this. I think that, you know, we talked about the the slow start a little bit, you know, how long it's going to take to adjust. I think there is going to be an adjustment period. Now, I, I, I did come out on, on, on my podcast and say that, you know, I do think that they do finish 10 and 6, 11 and 5. But at the same time, also, I, I do think that there's going to be an adjustment period. And depending on how long the adjustment period takes, you know, that's going to impact by the end of season once you start to kind of get things in a rhythm. So I think that, you know, for this team, it's all about, you know, finding a way to gel as quickly as possible. I think that the pieces are there. I think that the pieces make sense. And I think that they have the tools to be able to be a successful team, but it's all about putting it together. Uh, with the talent there, yeah. And it's obviously, you know, they should have had extra time in the classroom on the field. And obviously that never came to fruition here. Um, but you, you just look at it and, you know, if you feel that you just went with this heavy – you know, intelligent and, you know, it shouldn't affect us because a lot of this stuff was going to be computer and we're going to say, no, no, you shouldn't have a question whether you were six yards off the tackle. We told you it was five and a half yards off the tackle. You already knew that going into that. We shouldn't have these missteps here, that type of stuff here. Um, before we put a ball on this, Mac, um, obviously it's been a trying almost, you know, two weeks now at this point here. Um, I know you spoke about it on your podcast and I will plug it for Mac. He didn't, the hurry up podcast. Max, just some thoughts here on you know, where we're at in general, because 
I mean, obviously from the age where you're sitting, the age I'm sitting, it's different, but you know, and for me, it's, you know, I have kids, you know, like I can accept that the world's just a screwed up place for whatever time I have left here, but I can't look at it this way for the children I have for the rest of their lives and hopefully the children that they're going to have, but go ahead, Mac, floor is yours. Yeah. So basically I, I, I went ahead and I addressed the entire George Floyd situation on, uh, on my podcast, uh, as well. I just dropped the episode this morning, but you know, for me, it's a whole entire situation where look, we, we just have to do better. Um, and not only that too, we have to actually listen, you know, it, for as much as people want to be, for as much as there have been people that have said, shut up and dribble or stand for, stand for everything. Look, I, shut up and listen for once. And, you know, I know it's funny that it's ironic that we're saying that on a podcast that people are listening to. Um, but, you know, for, for, for us, it, it's a situation of, you know, listening to each other and really standing for what you believe in. You know, for me, I, I know I'm blessed to be doing what I love. But at the same time, too, I've said since I was a kid, you know, the one dream job that I have is to be a father. And, you know, I want to be able to say to my kids when I whenever I have my sons and sons or daughters, you know, that when you believe in something and firmly stand for something that you can go ahead and do that, stand for that. And I'm not going to be hypocritical in that case. And, you know, I talked about it with a friend of mine as well. But, you know, I'm only 24. But at the same time, people are saying like, oh, don't worry, you're going to be up, up next, up next. No, my generation is up now. You know, it's up to us and, you know, the leadership has been questionable here as of late. So it's up to us to step up and actually, you know, have these conversations, have these dialogues and not be afraid to, you know, talk with one another and learn from one another. It, and, 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 and that's it. And, you know, and, you know, for you, for me, you know, and the other thing is and everybody wants to talk about something that they cannot apply to themselves. And that's the part for me where it usually just gets me moving on to something else or it gets me tuned out because in so many instances, you know, when this comes up, it, it'll be, and usually it's somebody who's white who says, well, what they need. No, that is where, that's where you blew the entire argument. Cause a number one, how are you listening? If you're telling them what to do, no, you don't understand. And this was a conversation I tried to have you know, with my girls. I said, like, have you, you know, and I showed them, you know, some people talking about, do you know what it's like for a black person to go into a store? They don't have what you want. And then you're just trying to leave because you can't purchase what you were there to purchase, but you're getting eyes for that. We don't have to deal with that. And like, that's the one that gets me. And is every time where somebody, oh, well, if they just, well, that's where you, then just stop talking because a number one, you didn't listen. And a number two, whatever's going to come out of your mouth is only going to make things 10 times worse than they currently are. Yeah. And the one thing too, in doing my own research on this too, but you know, the whole what about isms um, really actually came from the it, it was a tactic used by the Soviet Union to deflect away from uh, the the topics and the discussions that are being had to really just cause <clears throat> diversion. And so for me, like I, I, I look at that and I'm just saying, look, let's stay on topic. Let's not be distracted about, you know, Am I outraged about, you know, the destruction of property, everything like that? Sure. But at the same time that I'm not going to take away from the discussion that's being had, you know, for the large part across the country, it's been peaceful protests that have been had. And, you know, it's about keeping that discussion, keeping that momentum. And in the same way that, you know, when it came to the Colin Kaepernick situation, you know, it, it, it became less the conversation of police brutality and more about the flag. 
And so that's the one thing that I, I want to make sure that I'm saying is that we're staying on task here. You know, we're talking about the right things and we're not getting distracted by, you know, things going left and right. I know at, at least in this country, things have gotten super quick headline, go, 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 go. But at the same time, at a certain point, we have to stop and we actually have to have a conversation about this. And I think that given everything that's going on right now, the fact that we really don't have many distractions, this is the perfect time to have this conversation and be able to talk about this with one another. It would seem like it. And, um, and the problem is, is, you know, everybody always wants to think it's better because nothing major transpired or nothing. Of the, and then obviously we get one of these George Floyd incidents and yes, look, I mean the rioting, no, I, I don't agree with it, but in the same respect, because I am a parent, what can I understand when my children ask things and I tell them no, when they start to raise their voice, guess what they think? They think I'm not listening. So when people say, look, we've been saying this forever and ever and ever, and now we feel like nobody's listening to us. That's when things escalate to that point. I mean, it's, it's whole thing's just terrible. And look, I mean, and one thing I've always told my children is, you know, I don't care if you like someone, I don't care if you dislike them, you will respect them. And that's what it comes down to. And Everybody deserves that. I mean, you know, we're all, <laughs> bottom line, we're all immigrants. <laughs> Somehow, some way, somebody dropped something off that was attached to us that led to us all being here. This is all ours. Every every drop of it, it all belongs to all of us. It should all be an equal thing. And, you know, just respect thy fellow man, respect thy fellow woman. It, 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 it sounds preachy and you know, cliche-ish, but it really is just that stinking simple. Yeah. And, and the one thing that I will say, too, is the fact that because I, I have seen people bring up the all lives matter and that's not the point. The point is that all lives will not matter until all lives matter equally. And that's the thing that people are trying to get across. And that's getting lost in the shuffle when people bring that up. And that's the whole reason why, yes, black lives matter. That's why we have to say that because of the fact that to let them know you still matter compared to what everybody else is trying to say to you. So, you know, that's that's what we're, that's what people are trying to get across. That's what I'm trying to get across at least. And, you know, I want to try to do my part and at least participating in that conversation and trying to further that as best as I, as best as I possibly could. Um, and I know we've, we've, we've tried to make a, you know, a strong, you know, presence of it here at the network as well. Um, and it's just, it, it, look, if it's ain't something you can do, then find yourself a mountain or somewhere to go live at by your damn self. And because you ain't been around ain't meant to be around, uh, you know, the rest of us folks here. Uh, we're going to put a bow on this here. I hope everybody enjoys their weekend here. Uh, pleasure speaking with Mac Robinson, obviously Mac from 92.3, the fan part of the Browns wire, his podcast, the hurry up podcast. You can find that anywhere where you find your podcast at Mac, Mac Robinson, 95 um, guys, try to enjoy the weekend here. Weather's getting better. Be smart. Still be safe. Uh, you know, look, I mean, just as things are starting to open here uh, two weeks or about when we're going to want to start really looking at things, guys, because you're going to see whether or not it was safe to open. Just don't think, hey, things are open. Everything's back to normal. Don't be somebody else's guinea pig in that respect. <laughs> this has been your daily delivery of all things to all count. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.